Well, by Serie A standards, the goals have uh, certainly quieted down, uh, only 25 in these nine games that we had at the week, and unfortunately the racism hasn't quieted down, and uh, once again, we have to uh, give it at least a little bit of attention on this edition of Serie A Sit-Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio Told Like It Is. I'm Frank Cravello, uh, with me as always, co-host Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing on the Sunday? I mean, you know, I'm not even, you know, well, and we're going to talk Milan Lazio and we have a guest, but I'm not even mad about that anymore. I mean, it's just like, okay, I really don't, I mean, and, and I'm, and, and this is going to, people are going to take this the wrong way and I hope you don't. I don't want to talk about this anymore. I don't. I want to celebrate what's going on on the pitch because I feel like yeah. the more we talk about it, the more we encourage the behavior, the more we encourage, you know, idiots are going to be out there. Hey, they're talking about, it. I want, I'm, I'm going to go out there and do it. So uh, for those of you that aren't aware or haven't seen or haven't heard, um, Mario Bellotelli once again uh, subjected to uh, racism uh, at the hands of the Hellas Verona supporters, threatened to walk off the pitch, and then was consoled actually by Hellas Verona players, uh, and hugged by uh, several players and said, hey, hang in there, stick around. They don't represent us, so I, I'm, I'm glad that the players at least took the position on the pitch. Ivan Juric is very ignorant. So is the president of Hellas Verona. They made a lot of stupid comments about this, as leaders uh, of teams here in Serie A seem to do. And uh, here we go again, Richard. Yeah, this is uh, this is this is old. This is getting old for sure. But I, I think what infuriates me the most at uh, this particular. Uh, situation is what the manager and the owner said about it, acting like nothing happened. I mean, how how do you as a manager say nothing happened when obviously your teammates are are surrounding Balotelli and and consoling him? Um, open your freaking eyes, you know what I mean? I mean, it's it's fucking despicable the the, the shit that he's saying and the owner saying as well, and also with the FIGC, you know, uh, Syria copywriting their their footage so no one else can see that the racist abuse that happened, and uh, so you know, and block it from anybody to view it. It's it's. It's BS, and this is why no one takes. People are starting to take the league not seriously anymore because of shit like this. You know, you see in other leagues around the, around Europe where they swift action. I mean, I'm talking about swift action and and, and bans, and and Syria does nothing. I mean, England, you know, bravo to England for the stuff that they did recently at the West Ham match, but um, Syria continues to lag way behind, and it's 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 sad. Yeah, very sad. Uh, let's bring in our guest uh, on this, who. Uh, will be joining us to discuss uh, what went down in Milan Lazio. Um, the guy has absolutely exploded on the uh, uh, Calcio scene, the English-speaking Calcio scene uh, here this season. He's a- earning our second cap with us already. He's a writer for the Laziali, World Football Index, GIFN, Vavil, uh, Eurosport, uh, BTL Vid, uh, Lazio supporter, uh, and uh, glad to have him back on. Jerry Mancini joining us. Jerry, ciao, man. Uh, ciao. You know, w- weigh in on this. I mean, it's uh, I- I've had enough. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's something that needs to stop. Um, I feel bad for Balotelli. It's something that uh, shouldn't be condoned. It's second incident this year with Verona. I believe the first one happened with uh, Milan earlier in the season. And uh, the fact that the owners and the, the manager, no one steps up, it, it's, it's sad. It's something that needs to be stopped. 
And if Serie A is not going to do anything, then UEFA has to step in. And if UEFA doesn't step in, then it's going to get really ugly because if, if the owner and the manager are condoning it, that means that the players are just, I'm sorry, the, uh, the fans are just going to continue doing it. And until someone makes a stand for it, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's just, uh, I, I, that's all I want to say about it now. I mean, and then, and then you know, they're, they're taking the footage and they're, either, they're um, you know, they're, they're copywriting it or they're doing some sort of crazy shit. I'm talking about, uh, you know, Lega Serie A or FIGC or a combination of, uh, you know, people that are jumping in on this. And, uh, you know, do you know who uh, confiscated stuff? Um <laughs> To, to make make people believe that it actually isn't happening. Didn't this happen like some 70, almost shit, 80, 85 years ago? Not with the in Nazis World II, in World yeah. War II. And, and, yeah. uh, yeah. but I, I don't get it. You know, I, it must just, it's, and I don't want to give up on this and say that this is just what that world is out there. You know, I mean, at the very minimum, the thing that I'm at least encouraged by is you see the players on the pitch, um, you know, trying to be encouraging, trying to be supportive of the player that's being who's having the abuse hurled at him. Uh, you know, I hope that continues, and I hope that grows. And maybe, just maybe, executives at Serie A, um, FIGC, or or anyone just start taking notice, uh, saying, "Hey, yeah. um, our players don't like it." Um, and uh, eventually, you're going to get to a point where. Uh, you know, players are not going to want to play in Serie A. Players are not going to come over from other countries to play in Serie A because why do they want to? Why do they want to be subjected to that stuff? I mean, Romelu Lukaku has been putting up with it. Mario Bellatelli has been putting up with it. Uh, the incident with Dalbert. Uh, you know, enough is enough. Koulibaly. Yeah, Koulibaly. I mean, enough is enough. So, you know, it just it hurts the league. It hurts the reputation of the league. Um, and it's really just time to. It's really just time to get rid of it i mean you know uh critty smith uh mentioned to me you know still continues to have the idea of all right deducting points um because i had made a comment on on twitter just about just like everybody else did he said we can talk about it for the thousandth time or we can do my suggestion and start relegating clubs and stripping points again seems like that is the only alternative or we can continue to let racism shine and have its place in city yeah it seems like option one is better i I don't, I mean, the only reason, again, I'm still holding out on the whole idea of dropping points or relegating teams because as they've demonstrated on the pitch, the players are not a part of this behavior, okay? So I, I have a hard time just drawing the conclusion that we should just take points away from teams for that reason, okay? Um, you know, I still struggle with going forward with an idea like that, um, and I'm going to. Uh, there's gotta be some, somebody, there's gotta be some other creativity, you know, massive fines aren't going to happen, but do you do stadium bans? And then do you do stadium bans for the season ticket holders? Do you play behind closed doors? That was my idea. Uh, games are behind closed doors and no one gets refunded their money. That's how I would do it. I mean, it's, and so then the season ticket holders that are there to enjoy their team and support their team and aren't part of this problem. You know, now they can also help start putting the pressure on some of these idiots. Yeah, yeah, uh, well said. I mean, uh, something has to be done, and we can't just leave it the way it is. So uh, hopefully there's a solution at the, at the end of the tunnel. Well, we'll see. I mean, 
doesn't look like it's gonna come from FIGC. I know that. So. But Frank, I just think that at the end of the day, they can lose a hundred points, fifty points. I just feel like these ultra groups, they 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 don't prioritize the club. They prioritize themselves, and it's just their interests over the club's interests for a lot of teams. And I think that's another issue is that. You can dock 10 points, 15 points, but a lot of these fans are not really fans, in my opinion. They're just they're just people who are just trying to express their own views of what they believe in, which is not right. But it, it, it overrides what really is important is what they should be promoting the club and respecting the club and what what the actual logo, the, the symbol on the jersey really means. And if they don't do that, these people shouldn't be going to the to the match, period. They're not there to watch football. They're there. To, they're there to just make make themselves look like fools, basically. So I think these they don't care what what would happen to their team and if they got penalized or subjected to anything. At the end of the day, all they care about is their views and they want to be heard, right or wrong. Sure. Sure. I, it's you know, I'm just out of I, I'm I, I'm just out of. Uh, description i'm out of uh you know i'm just i'm bent out of shape i'm just done talking about it i mean it just it's and i'm only done talking about it only because i don't want to continue to glorify the idiots out there you know let's let's hope somebody starts having a conscience over there in Syria and starts doing something about this uh because it's going to continue to rear its ugly head so Okay, let's get on to it. I mean, we we had a very, very entertaining slate. A lot of, I mean, just every game was really competitive here. Uh, when you take a look at it, we had nine games with only one result decided by two goals. All the, or actually two results decided by two goals. Everything was decided by one goal with the exception, obviously, of the couple of draws that are here on the board. Uh, but um, the main event here, Milan Lazio, that's uh, with, with Jerry as guest. That's what we're here to talk about. So we'll begin with that. And Richard, uh, take it away for us. Yeah, this matchup would, uh, would take place at the San Siro in Milan. Uh, referee in this game was uh, Gianpaolo Calvarese. Uh, it was an interesting one, uh, Frank, uh, for sure. Um, I know going into this game, we both made predictions into this game. Uh, I felt the way uh, Lazio have been playing, especially, uh, more importantly, the way Milan had been playing lately, uh, would dictate how the game would go, and, and that wasn't a good a good sign to me. Uh, but let's look at the lineups first for the visitors. Uh, this is for um, Jerry's team. Uh, in goal, Thomas Tracosha. Uh, and then in defense, you had Stefan Radu, Francesco Acerbi, and then uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Bartolomeo Jacinto Kisanga, also known as Bastos. Uh, Jerry, your uh, defensive, uh, for, defensive lineup uh, for, uh, for you guys, including Emmanuel Lazzari. Um, w- tell us about how this team has, uh, throughout the season, you know, they had their ups and downs, but it's a fairly, fairly decent back line there. I think Cherby has been the lead guy, basically. Without yeah. him, yeah. They, they, they are nothing. If he ever goes down with an injury, I think that can really hurt their uh, their squad just as much as uh, if Immobile was to get hurt. He's he's been the backbone. He's been able to play on the left side this season. He's been played in the in the center back. He could play on the right side if he's needed. Uh, basically, Inzaghi's been used in in different scenarios this year. And in today's match, I didn't think Bostos was great. He was okay, but I think that he played too high at times. He was accountable for their for the for for Milan's goal. It was an own goal. He didn't step up, 
he, he gave a, a lot of space to Piatic. I, I think that at times he's been very good, and at times he's been very well cut out of position, and it's something that he needs to work on. Um, I was surprised he actually started today because I think Patrick's been really good the last three games. He's wow. Yeah, I, I think that uh, he's found this new role in, in the club, and then Zaki's got him going again. And that's something that Nzagi's been good at, is he's been able to get players that who have underperformed to perform again. And uh, he's he's done a really good job this year. He hasn't... Uh, he's been more calm on the sideline, not overreacting like he did last year. He, uh, a different demeanor uh, to him. But um, overall, the back line's been decent. Radu's been good. People say that he's too old, can't play 90 minutes. I don't buy that. I think uh, players like himself have experience. He has the ability to play 90 minutes. He may not be as fast as he used to be, but he still knows how to like play the game and basically how to control himself, where to be, very well positioned. He makes a good timely challenges. I thought he was really good today. His decision-making was really good, sending the ball up. So I, I, I like having Radu in the back end. His, his experience is, is what's really needed for players such as Felipe and Bastos to learn from, as well as Patrick. Yeah, and uh, and something Azaga does is it, it get his teams to perform, and some of the rest of the performing players on their team, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, Lucas Leva, Luis Alberto, Sinad Lulic, all led by Chiro Immobile and Joaquin Correa. So, Frank, that's a formidable lineup. Uh, looking at Milan's side, it's a fairly standard lineup. Uh, slight changes to this one. Uh, Gianluigi Donnarumma and goal. Back four was, was uh, David Calabria, Leo Duarte, Alessio Ramagnoli, and Teo Hernandez. In the midfield, Rade Krunic getting the start in this one with Ismael Benacer, Lucas Paqueta. And up top, you had, uh, instead of Souza, you had Samuel Castillejo, uh, Hakan Chalanolu, and Christoph Piantek. So what did you make of the Milan line? Um, happy to see Krunic finally get a start uh, and, and yeah. get to see what he's made of. I mean, he turned in some outstanding performances in the second half of the season for Empoli. Um, a big reason why Empoli nearly stayed up uh, in uh, you know, the second half of last season. has only seen some spot duty here, and I think, uh, however, did get the start out of trying to rest Frank Kessie, who has been playing a lot of games uh, and playing, I think, 90 minutes in just about every one of them. Um, so, you know, almost by necessity, they had to go with that. They had to go with Rade Krunic, but obviously Krunic has some talent to him. Played a pretty good game here. Um, ben is there for the second straight game, getting a start in that spot. And I think there's there's much to be said about him. I actually think he's getting a lot better um, yeah, as too. things are going on. I think he got off to a very shaky start playing for Milan, but I think he's getting more comfortable uh, in his surroundings and playing for the Rossoneri. Um and, uh, you know, Duarte obviously was out of necessity with Musacchio being hurt. Uh, same with uh, Castillejo, who um, Suzo had a hip injury uh, uh, from the win coming on as a substitute over Spall. Uh, so Suzo's out, Samu Castillejo's in, uh, and Samu played really well, and then he got hurt So uh, in this game, which, we'll, which I'm sure we'll talk about. So um, pretty straightforward, pretty standard, I thought... Um, you know, you know. I think they they would have loved to have gone back. In a perfect world. If Musaki was fit, I would have. I, I think you would have seen Duarte starting out at right back again, uh, because in the win midweek over Spall, um, 
when they had that setup and they started that way, I actually thought it was looking really good. You know, Duarte played really well. He had one foolish foul that he got a yellow card for, um, but he um, overall held things pretty well. He was not as naive as Calabria and Conte have been in that position, and I thought that had Musacchio not gotten hurt, you would still see that going on, and Calabria probably would not have started this game. You know, Pianta getting the start, um, okay, fine. Um, I think in a game like this with what you have with the Lazio back three, uh, a guy with physicality, a guy that's going to find runs in the box, and a guy that you want to be the end product, that's the guy you probably want to go with. I think it's a little more difficult for a forward of Leao's stature to try to unlock you know, a back three the way that um, Lazio organized themselves. So for me, for me, for me, Piontek made sense, you know, and the rest of these guys, you know, you're starting them at this point because you have no reason to not start them. Right. You know, absolutely. And I thought, uh, Jerry, in, in particular, this, uh, the game started out fairly lively, both teams uh, getting a lot of opportunities going both ways. Is that, is that something Inzaghi wants to have uh, in his game plan is, you know, wide open where yes, his team is creating, but is also given some opportunities going the other way. I, Based on the first twenty minutes, I thought um, I thought overall they, they looked really bad. Lazio, they they just couldn't move the ball. They they they, they were lucky to have opportunities because of Milan basically on their own turnovers. But I believe that Nzagi does want to have opportunities in the first twenty minutes. He he likes to attack right away. He likes to get his his, his squad going, the rhythm right. So I think that um, that's what he's looking for some consistency to start out of the, out of the game because normally when they start sluggish and then they're not in like in form they tend to uh, really set back throughout the match so, like they, they 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 try to like for they try to look for position more like possession sorry controlling the ball having like the game in their and their in their side basically from start to end but uh I feel like today that it, they didn't have that possession type game that they like to play I feel like when they're when they're on the ball and they're holding it and they're controlling it, that's when they're really effective. But when they don't control the ball that much, and it's shown today, like Milan, when they were possessing the 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 ball throughout the match, they were doing they were doing pretty well. I thought Milan had a really good first half, created some chances. I feel that once Samuel Castillejo went out of the game at the 35th minute. That's when things became more difficult for Milan. They were really, on, especially on the right side, they were attacking with Castillo. He, he created some uh, free kicks up front. He created some opportunities and chances. Good ball movement from him. He looked very strong. That was probably the, the strongest I've seen him in a while. And uh, very sad to see him get hurt and lose his opportunity to make his statement to the, into the uh, starting 11, right? So... It's uh, it's something that Zagi tries to strive on. He, I think he wants to see more inconsistency from his squad, if anything, because when they do start off really poorly, that's when they're really behind the eight ball. But uh, something that uh, Nzaki is probably going to try to continue. It, it's nice to see three wins in a row. It's uh, something that I haven't seen in a while, probably since last season. And uh, hopefully it's it's something that, not just momentarily, but it's something they can build off of. 
So, Frank, I think Jerry hit the nail on the head. Uh, the first 20, 30 minutes, really, it was a Samuel, Ca Samuel Castileo, so uh, he was really the one, the driving force behind Milan. It's probably yes. one of the best I've, best moments I've seen him in a Milan uh, jersey. Uh, the way he was pressing uh, Lazio, especially on the right-hand side, uh, he ultimately set up the, the first goal. But before we get to that, I just thought his uh, influence in the game before he got uh, injured uh, was massive for the Rossoneri. I agree. I mean, it's... Uh it was unfortunate, uh, you know, when he had to come out of the game, obviously, the in, in, and couldn't continue. Uh, you bring on Ante Rebic, who uh, all of a sudden, it was that, that, that position just disappeared. I mean, Rebic has clearly not adapted to playing in Serie A yet. He's not even close. So Castileo at least has a, has a couple of seasons' experience. Um and I thought that, you know, he was causing some problems. He was drawing some fouls. He was, uh, you know, he was creating some things. He was getting some crosses off. Uh, you know, just trying to take a look at his stat line for the 36 minutes that he played. Uh, you know, created a couple of big chances. Uh, was fouled. Was winning balls from, uh, from some of that pressing that Jerry was alluding to. Uh, and one of the things that... Um, resonates with me with Samu Castillejo when I look at the statistic only I mean he had 24 touches in those 36 minutes and only lost possession seven times um, that is a much better percentage than what you're seeing with Suzo you know where he's playing a position he knows he has a responsibility he has to be able to make sure that he creates good chances but he doesn't want to take too many foolish risks or he doesn't want to force things and Suzo right now is is doing a combination of both of those things the the, the free kick goal for Spall okay great that's what you do you're good at you're good at that kind of thing but you know in the run of play when you need to be creating chances when you need to be getting you know Piontek involved when you need to be getting, um, uh, you know, balls maybe over to Chalhanolu, dropping balls back to midfielders that are running through. I mean, how many times when Kessie plays do we see him just staking territory in the 18-yard area um, where he's, you know, trying to find some position to, to go in and score? So, you know, I, I, I thought I saw Samu Castileo doing a much better job of getting players involved. Um, and then, yeah, it was unfortunate when he went out of the game because I thought he was on his way. He was on his way to being man of the match if he would have been able to continue. Yeah, one hundred percent. But unfortunately, uh, he did go out with the injury. Before he went out the injury, though, uh, there was a couple goals in this one. Uh, first, it started with uh, uh, Jerry. This is uh, Frank's pick for Capacanieri. Pick uh, Chiri Immobile. Find himself right place, right time. A great pass from Lazzari. But really, it was one attacker versus three Milan defenders. And Immobile found the ball. The ball found him. And he put it in the back of the net. one nothing Lazio in the 25th minute. I feel uh, the goal was great. But I think the pass is more vital. It's, it's Lazzari that really, it, it's going to benefit him. It's going to give him motivation. He's been struggling on the right side. Uh, on, the right, yeah, on the right side. But just basically, like... He's struggling, and then to have that kind of cross finally to get into the box to, to Chido Immobile, it's something that's going to help him going forward. Whereas for Chido, my he's a son. I feel, I feel he's underappreciated. Yes, he doesn't get the 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 goals that people are looking for for the Azuri. Absolutely, but I and respect. I feel that he thrives under a three-five-two. He needs a supporting striker. 
and he has a player such as Luis Alberto who can send him the ball, who sets him up with passes, who he and if he's not on his game, he's got Savage. Savage is just as good when he's on his game to send him quality passes through balls, and 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 with the Azuri, he's a four three three, and. The problem is he's not used to playing with wingers on the left and right side. And it's a different style underneath Mancini. And, and his, he needs someone to give him the ball and he needs to work off it. And if Mancini ever decides to go with, with the two, two strikers up, up, up front, you would see a different Immobile for the Azuri. I think it's not that he can't score for the Azuri. He's not good for Italy. It's just two different formations. And the style of play he plays with Lazio, if suits him 100%. His work ethic is unbelievable. He keeps on trying. And and the thing is that if he's not playing good for 80 minutes, 10 minutes of the game, he knows how to deliver a winning goal. He's He does it time and time again. He did it last Sunday against Fiorentina. Two minutes left in the game. Again, he did a nice header from Lukaku. Yes, the foul could have been subjective, but regardless of that, he he finds where to be in the box. He knows where to be. He understands what Zaghi expects of him. He understands what Lazio wants from him. He's he likes to be that league guy. He likes that that spotlight, that entertainment, where the fans, at game in game out, are are depending on on him to score that goal. Look how he he celebrated his hundredth goal. He went up to Lazzari, started hugging him. He was so excited. He was he it was. It was something that he cherished so much. Before he came to Lazio, he was doing nothing in Dortmund in Sevilla. Very poor. It didn't work for him. His, he was very successful in one season with Torino. And then he came back to Serie A. Since he's joined since 2016, he scored over 20 goals. Frank's pick of the year, Capucaniere. He's going to get it. I guarantee you, he will get 30 goals this year. He will get 30 goals, and he will be... There's a record that they say he, he's on pace to beat. I'm not sure who holds the record, but I think... Iguain. Iguain, that's it. Thank you. And I believe that he's going to beat that record. He He's just... He's unbelievable. And I may be tooting him a little bit more than I should. And and if, and if he's not the best striker, the other player I think that's just as... Equivalently is just as good is Belotti. And the difference between Belotti... And and uh, Chido as Chido has better supporting midfielder, and and if Belotti had the same type of midfield that Lazio had, I think he would just be as good as uh, Chido. I I Frank, time to get the advocate. Yeah, let me, um, Jerry. I I said all of these things last week. I'd say the yeah, I sat down when it comes to Immobile. Um, you know the difference between why he th- and I had to go back and forth with a couple of fans on Twitter. You know why he thrives at Lazio, why he doesn't thrive at, at Italy. I'll, I'll I'll bring this all up again for the people that didn't listen last week. Um, you know, and reinforce a lot. You know, which also reinforces a lot of things that that Jerry said. Yeah, he, he is a two striker system striker. Okay, he needs the supporting striker to take some pressure off of him. Here's the other the characteristics of the three five two. You play with wing backs who, if they're on the right side, they're right footed. Uh, or if they're on the left side, they're left-footed. Nobody has figured out a 3-5-2 system where those guys should be opposite foot and cutting in like you see in a 4-3-3. So they stay on the flanks. They don't cut in. 
Okay. Very rarely do they cut in. So it might make their play a little bit predictable. Okay. And they might be on railroad tracks. Um, you know, and for lack of a better description, but it's still effective because now when you do that, Chittery Mobley has every run in the box that he wants. Okay. And he, when you go to that four, three, three, who lines up to his left Insigne, who wants to come inside on his right. Well, he starts, you start crowding Immobile when he does that and he doesn't know where to go. Like you said, Jerry, and then the right side, it's, you know, Bernadeschi, he's left footed. He wants to cut in, um, you know, Chiesa, who's great with both feet. Um, you know, so those are the players that you're dealing with. And then it's, it's, it's harder for him and anywhere he's gone where he's had to be the solo striker, he struggled and you go all the way back to his time at Torino. And I, you know, I'm, I'm beating a dead horse here. Cause I talked about all this last week. Torino played a two-striker system. It was Immobile and Alessio Cerci, and and Immobile burst onto the scene really that season. Um, in of all people, Gian Piero Ventura's system at Torino, uh, where he was successful, uh, where he and Cerci were able to play off of each other, and the other redeeming quality of having that second striker working with you is you have now a um, a forward that can make the runs that might draw the attention away from Immobile. So if you play a four-man defense like Milan does and you're playing Correa and Immobile, well, that's the responsibility now of the two center backs, and it comes down to man marking, okay? And the way Milan did it is they're going to pass those guys off. So if if Correa is coming over into Romagnoli's zone, that's who Romagnoli is going to pick up. And Duarte is responsible for Immobile. And that's what happened on this goal here. Um, classic, classic striker's goal. Um, Duarte is in a position, thinks he's going to be able to get to a header. But the way these strikers do this, um, look at where Immobile's starting position is at the moment Lazardi crosses the ball. It's backed off, okay, maybe, what, two to three yards? Uh, away from Duarte, where he can run on an attack because in just about every one of those situations, the central defender is flat-footed, okay? And when you're flat-footed, you're going to be slower to be, you're going to be slower to react to that cross where Immobile can read it, take a couple steps off of Duarte, Duarte can't see him, read it, and then just step in. I mean, this was a classic striker's goal. And this is the range of what Chiro Immobile can do. Um, and let's, you know, what a ball by Lazzari, too. And, uh, you know, what an addition. When he came on, I, th- I said this was the most snug, perfect signing that any Serie A team was going to make um, coming into this season. And I think that, you know, he's starting to get a little bit better. He's starting to have more of a presence with that Lazio side. And, Jerry, I know you're the Lazio guy. You want to talk about him. But since my team stinks, I've got to, you know, and I'm supposed to be this <laughs> unbiased Serie A reporter. Um, you, you know, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to heap praise on what happened here. I mean, classic reading of the situation. Great ball by Lazzari. Immobile's run is perfectly timed, and you know, Duarte his starting position is fine, but nine times out of ten, a good striker like Immobile is going to beat you in that situation. 
And since Frank is still on uh, preseason mode, I'll bust out the old goal tracker now. And uh, Immobile is on pace with 13 goals in 11 games for 45 goals this season. So currently on pace to beat Gonzalo Higuain's 36-goal record uh, for a single season. So we'll see if he gets that. But, you know, Jerry kind of spoke on to a guy perfect for this formation and a guy Milan has that is perfect for their formation is Teo Hernandez, Frank. Uh, he seems to be the only defender these days playing well for Milan, and uh, he's excelled with Milan at this, uh, in, this, in this season thus far, and he actually assists on, uh, the, on the goal Milan scores in the 28th minute. Um, his cross in the middle, uh, first passed by Castillejo over to the left-hand side where Teo Hernandez is. He chips it in the box. Uh, Pionte gets a toe in it, goes off of Bastos's chest and into the goal. Uh, 1-1 Milan. At this point in the game, looks like game is on. Uh, both teams are creating opportunities, Frank. Um, uh, but Teo Hernandez really is the one with the, with the beautiful pass in there. And he's really the, the, the best defender at the moment playing for Milan, especially going forward. He is just uh, he seems to add another attacking flair that Milan needs so, so dearly. It's why they want Duarte playing on the right and they want Musacchio fit uh, because then Teo can focus on being more of an attacking fullback. And it's not that he would shirk his defensive responsibilities, uh, but it would mean that he will have a little bit more freedom to go forward. Um, you know, and then the other idea to that setup is that a Souza or a Samu can stay further forward too, knowing that you have a, you know, a more natural defender that's not going to come forward a lot in a lot of overlapping situations and can kind of hold the flank down uh, so that you can have the freedom to play a little bit higher. But yeah, nice ball by Teo and uh, Piantic did well to get a foot on it to at least kind of create a distraction uh, Gary Bertels was our British speaking uh, uh, pundit on this, which, you know, I've had varying opinions about him and he can be very, very brash at times, but he knows his shit. I mean, and, and that's the one thing that I do admire about him. Um, this is on boss. This is totally on Boston. And not just because he scored, scored an own goal. He kept the entire city of Milan on side on that goal. Um, just backed off way too much. Uh, and um, and uh, just just did not stay did not stay with the line did not keep a line that could put Piontek in an offside position, uh, so that's how that that goal is allowed to happen. And it just turns out he ends up with the egg on his face because it, it hits off of him and goes in. The uh, the game would go into halftime one one. Obviously, Castilleja would come off in the thirty fifth minute uh, for Ante Rebic due to an injury. And I think this is the point of the game, guys, where uh, the momentum swung from being a open uh, open game going both ways to a one sided show. Um, I thought Lazio really they looked like the superior team in this game. I mean, Milan had no answers going forward. Uh, Ante Rebic was was kept quiet as was Piantic and and really the only, all the players going forward that did anything for Milan in my opinion were Teo Hernandez and Chalanolu. Uh, for the most part everybody else is fairly quiet going on going attacking wise um, I thought Lazio were doing really well with link up plays between Luis Alberto, Lulic, uh, Immobile, uh, Correa, you, know, you name it anybody on the pitch Lazzari they were just doing really well with nice little passes set plays uh, throughout the game it's just uh, unfortunate that they didn't get any more goals uh, uh, Immobile hit a post, hit a crossbar, and there's some other plays that they nearly scored on. Um, the game, though, kept draining on longer and longer, and Jerry, I was very confused to see uh, Chiro Immobile come off in the 60th minute. Do, you know, do we know why he came off for Caicedo? Was it just a tactical move? Was he tired? Was he injured? Do we know what the reason, what the reason Operation was? Operation Europa League. <laughs> well, <laughs> you if go. you hear the announcer, Thanks, Jerry. if you hear the announcer, 
for 30 minutes, he's complaining about Chiro Immobile coming off and Caicedo coming on. In respect, I respected the decision. Even, even if they lost the match, I still respect it. Chiro Immobile cannot play every minute, 90 minutes. If you, I understand that you want to prioritize Serie A and you want to make top four Champions League. And if, and if you lose on Thursday and you're out from the Europa League, but you still have to know that Europa League is still a chance and you, you, you need to put your best players still to win. And I believe that Felipe Caicedo last year had a career year. I believe he had seven or nine goals. He had a really good year. I, I'm okay with the substitution. You, you, you have Correa still on. Correa has to be that other player when Immobile is not on. He has to step up, which he did today. He's shown time and time again. He did it against Bologna. He scored. And he, yes, he missed the, uh, the penalty shot. Unfortunate. But when they were down a man, he kept on creating chance after chance after chance in that game. He, he, he's been good this year. He's scored a few goals. And when Immobile is not on, he can step up. I'm okay with Caicedo. He offers a different dimension. His hold-up play is very good. I don't think he was bad when he came on. He he didn't. He wasn't a liability. The only I I have a bigger issue with Parolo coming on from Milinkovic Savic than opposed to Immobile coming off for Caicedo uh, for Caicedo coming off for uh, coming on for Immobile. I think Parolo is done. I don't think he's good. He injured his own player. Ran into him. Smoked him in his arm. He, his arm's done. I think Casado's gonna be out for a while. So now I believe that with with uh, Immobile and Correa only strikers, even though Correa is not a true striker, they're gonna have to either use Adikani now going forward, or they're gonna either implement uh, Cataldi in that situation with with uh, Immobile. So did I like? I I didn't, I didn't mind it. Absolutely didn't mind it. I think that it's the right decision. You have a bench. You have depth. You need to use those players. And if if Inzaghi doesn't use his other ten guys on the bench or whatever he he suits in, then it makes no sense because you still have three four more months of soccer to go, and uh, you're only gonna burn Mobley. Last year, he he went through some injuries. Savage went through injuries. Luis Alberto went through injuries. If you play the same 11 every single night and depend on the same 11, eventually it's going to burn you. And by December, you're going to be relying on players that you don't even want to start. Never mind substitutions. You'll have to go down lower to players that don't really regularly play. So I, 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 I trust Inzaghi. You're never going to make everybody happy. Everybody thinks that Immobile has to play 90 minutes every night. But there are 11 other guys on the field who have to step up and score. And when you're relying on Immobile to score 20 goals every year, 30 goals, you need to have another 15, 20 goals come somewhere else. Or it's it's going to be very difficult to win. Teams like Juventus, Inter, Napoli, and, and maybe not this year right now, but in, in recent seasons, have other players have stepped up and shown to score. Napoli's perfect. They've got Mertens, and they have Insigne. Milik, these guys, they step up and they score, and that's that's depth. You need depth on teams to, to help you, especially when you're on three fronts. And they haven't started playing Coppa Italia yet. So imagine come January when you got Coppa Italia, you got Europa League or Champions League, depending on the team, and then you got uh, Serie A. Last year, 
it hurt uh, Lazio when they went to uh, their their first round against Sevilla. They didn't have any players in the first leg, and and it hurt them. They got exited early because they didn't have players because they overplayed the same players, and resulted in injuries. Yeah, well, one of the players that uh, you 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 you're hoping to get 15 goals this year at least, and is uh is Joaquin Correa. He came in good uh, in the 83rd minute. Uh, a pass by Basos out of the back kind of sprung board the whole play. Uh, I think it was Parolo who ended up getting the ball, uh, ended up feeding um, Joaquin Correa, who who you know, evaded the offside line, offside call, uh, came in perfectly. You know, beat Duarte and and Romagnoli, and then just blisters a shot. One of the goals of the weekend, uh, past Donnarumma up two one. Um, game would end two to one. I, I, you know, before the game, I thought the game would end three one. Lazio and they, Lazio had certainly many opportunities to get those uh, third, third or fourth goals. Uh, didn't happen. Uh, they get the win nonetheless. Frank, um, yes, we want. You know, from a Milan perspective, you want them to be in the games and 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 compete against the teams, the teams who are superior, which Lazio is, in my opinion. Uh, in this game, but Milan just didn't have what it took. Once once Casillejo left the game, they really had no answers, and especially in the, in the final third, there was just nothing there. Well, I, AC Milan is is that team that is good from the neck down, okay? <laughs> and that's the problem. You know, there's not much, you know, is it a – there's a, one, there's a fragile, fragile mentality. Two, there's players that struggle to think the game – um, and because they don't think the game, a lot of stupid things really happen here. This, I mean, for as nice as that counterattack was by Lazio, it could have been totally avoided, okay? Um, because it began with Milan generating their own attack, the tail getting in and getting in line and trying to cut the ball back, and that got intercepted. The numbers are all forward, so why isn't anyone pressing Bastos into a mistake there? He had free reign to go ahead and play that long ball. That's problem number one. Um, and there are enough Milan players in the vicinity where somebody should have been made it difficult for him. Okay, number two, Duarte does well uh, to win that aerial duel uh, on Bastos's ball, but where is the midfield for Milan? Nobody tracked back to recover to the second no. ball. But Parolo, there wasn't anybody within ten yards of Parolo when that ball fell to him. That's a big, big problem. That's too casual. Uh, after that's. Here's basically what happened. Milan had a nice attack, nice little combination. Leal plays in Teo Hernandez, okay? They try to cut the ball back. It doesn't go well. They all take a mental break, okay? And now, step by step after that, they all react, all right? And this is an ex- – and, and I think wh- one of the things that Milan Twitter and Milan supporters, you know, seem to forget, this is a very young Milan team. Okay, collectively, there isn't that veteran presence that galvanizes them in the in the flow of the game. Much like Gary Bertels made the comment, there isn't a difference maker on Milan, and I totally agree with that. There isn't a difference maker, and there isn't that veteran that you can look to when the chips are down that just gets everybody going and picks everybody up. Okay, Milan desperately lack personalities that would keep them from doing some of the dumb things that they do on the pitch. Okay, so second ball. Total, probably the easiest second ball Marco Parolo is going to win. I think it was Parolo, wasn't it? No, I want, I want to correct you on that, actually. It was correct Alberto. It was Alberto, yes. Thank so, you. It was Alberto. So in that situation, Dorothy is at fault because when he heads it, he has an option on the left side. And he heads it. He has time to receive that ball and bring it down. No one's I, forcing I, him. 
Mm, no, I mean Correa was right on top of him um, when it happened, well, and Duarte Duarte's just got to get ahead to it somehow. I mean, Correa's there. Yes, and, and in a perfect world, Duarte can get that headed down to the to a player on the left side. But you, when you see how Duarte get, has to get up for it, and I know I'm defending Duarte. Duarte didn't play well in this game. He, he struggled. He got he got beat on the Immobile goal, and and could he have done better on that header? Sure. Um, but he, I think that he did as he probably did as well as he could. Correa put a lot of pressure on him in that aerial duel. Correa is not going to beat him in an aerial duel, okay? But he put enough pressure on him to force him into a situation where that ball was headed in the direction of Luis Alberto. The problem is, is the midfield doesn't recover. You know, doesn't doesn't recover to help get on that second ball. It's the easiest second ball for Luis Alberto to win. So forgive me. I thought it was Marco Parolo for some reason. But also, um, before Bostos gets the, the, the clearance from the back end, Lazzotti makes a really good play on the yes. Uh, on Yes, the he does. Line. Yes, he does. He does a great play, which shouldn't shouldn't happen with the amount of space he has. But he does a really good job. I believe he beats Taylor Hernandez. If I'm... If, if I'm right on this, but he does a good job keeping it in, getting to Bostos. But I agree with you. Bostos is given way too much space to make that kick, to make that pass out from the back end. Like it, it, it's an innocent play that becomes into something that becomes even bigger than you would expect. Yeah. And cap it off with Donald Ruma's positioning, which <laughs> I think Gary Bertles just made too big a deal out of that. I don't know... It, if he's in the perfect position, I don't think he saves that. It was a great strike by Correa. Um, so, you know, so I I have a hard time saying, well, if his position was different. I mean, he was uh, – Donald Uma was overcrowding his near post. on that. Donald Uma did not have a good game here in this game. Um, you know, the first goal, I don't think there's much he could do about. The second goal, you can criticize him as much as you want. I'm not sure – I'm not sure he's in the right position. If he's in the right position, if he saves it, so you know that's how that's that's how well I think the goal was by Correa. You know, well, but, it, it, sorry, it, it's a sim- it's a similar goal just uh, just against at- Atlanta last Saturday. No, two weeks ago. Sorry, two weeks ago when Correa scored from the right side, exactly the same kind of goal, same angle, and he he wires it. It's yep. just the position that it's just similar. He he knows. And that's it. he has like that keen right side where he just knows how to score from. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's okay. Perfect, perfect, perfectly, uh, perfectly fine. So, Richard, to come back to what you, you know, another loss, another, you know, drop set of points. And this is just going to continue. I mean, I think that Milan fans are going to have to just take their medicine this season. I'm taking my medicine. I've just yeah. come, I've yeah. just come to the acceptance that this is a team that has a chance to do some really good things down the road if they can keep this team together. They're very young. They're making a lot of very dumb mistakes. This team is starving for some kind of veteran leadership, you know, um, that can teach these guys professionalism. I don't know if the upper management look at it and say, hey, Donnarumma is – like a 30-year-old professional, we can skate by with him being one of the leaders. I think that's terrible. Same with Romagnoli. They're still young. There's still a lot for them to learn about this game. Okay? And who is the oldest player on the pitch for Milan? That would be a fun fun one to figure out. Was it Chalhanolu? It was either Chalhanolu or... Uh, 
Yeah, it was either probably Chalanolu yeah. or Castellejo. Okay. Yeah. Look how young hmm. that team is that played in this game. Okay. And you only need to look at that to realize why Milan are having their struggles. Okay. They tactically, Pioli has them set up really, really well. They're playing good football. They're playing much, much better. The problem is these are young, young players. There isn't that veteran presence. You go and look at Cagliari. They have veterans on that team. That's why they have the unbeaten run that they're off to, okay, that, they, that, that can provide them that leadership and that can give them that boost. You look at Roma and the run they're on. They have leaders. Lazio, Lucas Leva, okay, Francesco Acerbi, all right? They've got veterans, guys that have been there and done it. Okay, who's the been there, done that guy for Milan? Right? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> Not a damn player. Okay, Inter. Okay, doesn't play as much, but Godin. All right. Um, you know, Handanovic you can make a claim for. All right, you look at all these other teams. Napoli. Uh, you know, Napoli's a little bit younger, but Dries, except for Dries Merton. Dries Merton's been there and done that. All right, among among other among other players. So, you know, who's the leader? Who's the been there done? And you're and you're slapping the captaincy on Romagnoli, and I think that that's fine because who else is going to be the captain? Donnarumma is probably the only other candidate. You know, but where is that? Where is that veteran that has been through big games and been in big moments and can guide the players and say, hey? We, you know, the the immobile where they could be the immobile goal. Hey, all right, unlucky. Let's pick ourselves back up and get going. And Milan did in this particular situation. They got the they got the they leveled, they leveled the match. But then when the Correa goal hit, where is that veteran that says, "Hey, whoa, whoa, guys, let's pick it up. There's still ten minutes to get something out of this game." You know, where's the player that's on the pitch that's saying, hey, the way we handled ourselves in conceding that goal is unacceptable. That's not the Milan standard. Okay. The players that they're throwing out on the pitch, there's not a single player that's capable of that. And Lucas Belia might qualify. He might be that veteran, but he's not at the level of play and he's not at the quality that we have uh, been accustomed to see him at. And Jerry, uh, now that's your team, uh, Roma, uh, Roma. Roma is actually one, one point ahead of you in the, in the standings. But you guys are in fourth place, uh, unbeaten in six games. You guys won three in a row now. Um, things are going really well for you, for you guys. Uh, you guys need to obviously get a little bit more consistency in Europa League. But uh, as far as the league goes, you guys seem to have uh, the momentum going on your side. And you know, looking at look at the schedule ahead for you guys. Um, you're gonna have you got Lecce coming up after the Celtic match, Sassuolo, uh, and then Udinese. So the the next three games in the league, at least, uh, looking very promising. Maybe you guys can move up even more. Uh, but tell us a little bit more about uh, what you expect to see from this club, uh, not only in the league but uh, uh, looking at Europa League as well. Well, I think I wouldn't be disappointed if they were out of the Europa League. And and, uh, and, and people say, oh, it's a second competition. It's another chance to get into uh, Champions League. Yes, it, it's it's good, but in all fairness, Lazio is not deep. They're not deep enough to go that far. I think that their depth is what the issue is. Yes, Cataldi is good, but when you when you spend ten million euros to buy a player like Velan Beresha, and you're not playing him, it makes no sense. 
buy players that you're going to use for $10 million. Even there, they, they, they signed the, uh, the defender. Um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But uh, he, he's only played like three games in Europa League. And um, he, 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 he was bought for $11 million. He came from Copenhagen. I um, can't remember his name, but uh, he, he hasn't been playing. There's another $11 million. And Manuel Atzadi, he, he's still settling in. He was our biggest acquisition this summer. And um, it, it's it's to me Europa League it's it's important, but I think that if if they were to be exited out and they had to focus just on City A, I think it might help them. Form injuries the, it allows Inzaghi just to focus on one front instead of having three maybe come January. As for the season, they have to win the next three matches. No excuses. Last year. They squandered too many points to play it to teams such as like Kievo we lost to and Savage picked up a, a selfish red card. And it was games like that that cost us points and basically set us back to eighth place in, in the standing, seventh or eighth behind Torino. So that that can't um, that can't happen because it's not gonna it's not gonna help in the in the long term, right? So it's uh, these are the next three matches that are huge because then after Undinese, it's it's uh, another big uh, top six match there with Juventus in uh, December, and uh, that that's that will be a very vital uh, match between the two. But uh, before we even get there, we need to uh, we need to take uh, we need to win the games that really matter most, and basically the ones that we can actually win. And I believe Lazio can beat teams such as Lecce and Undinese and Sassuolo, especially that given the, the, the level of talent that Lazio has, there is no excuse. It's just the fact that when we do play these teams, we, we tend to play at their level. And that's what happens sometimes. And, and teams like Juventus and Inter, they do play at their level like they showed yesterday where they weren't playing really good. But they figure they figure ways out to win these matches, and good teams that figure ways out to win against teams that are, are not at their level but are not having a good game, they know how to win championships. And Juventus has shown it eight years in a row, and they're showing it right now this year. So I, I expect Lazio to take all three matches, and if they do. It will, it will show that Inzaghi is the right man for this this club because two year, two weeks ago, he was rumored to be fired and be replaced by Gattuso. And now, since uh, since their last match, they lost, I believe it was in Europa League, or when they lost to Spall. It's been a while now, and it, 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 look what he's done. He's changed everything around. Like the whole incident with, with Chiro Immobile, where they thought that uh, they blew out of proportion and uh, he benched him and Cheeto Cheeto took accountability and, and Zagi did a good job. And it never caused friction between the club. It didn't cause anything from up and down, any spiral, uh, any like negativity. It, it's helped the club. So I believe that Zagi's done a good job this year doing what he can with what he's given. And, and and it's unfortunate that they didn't buy more players to help him. But in, in respect to Nzagi, 
he he's done a good job this year. He's 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 provided with the best possible eleven every game. Some decisions are always going to be questionable. Like today, do you take off Immobile? Do you leave him on? It's a difficult situation he's in because now he has Celtic on Thursday and nobody wants to lose. So he's thinking in the back of his mind now that the game's 1-1 and he's going to give it in the hands of, of Casado. Uh, he just received a new contract as well for three years. And then and then his mind probably is thinking, this guy just got a new contract. He's here long term. We need to get him into playing as well. So there, there's, there's many variables that, that determine how this season's going to play out. But in my opinion, I wouldn't be disappointed if they were uh, if they were out of the Europa League. Obviously, I, I would like them to, to advance further, but uh, it, it still gives me hope because now I know that Inzaghi will solely focus just on Serie A and it, it allows him to play his best 11 every week knowing that he doesn't have a midweek match. Yeah, that, that's 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 so right, and uh, hopefully we can see uh, some good things coming from Lazio, uh, coming from the rest of the season, not only in Serie A but also in Coppa Italia and the Europa League. Uh, Frank, that was uh, Lazio Milan recap uh, victory again for Lazio, two to one on the road. Uh, they move up to fourth place. Uh, th- we want to thank Jerry Mancini for uh, coming on with us and uh, talking a little. Uh, a little Lazio, huh, Frank? Yeah, Jerry, it was awesome that uh, you were able to spend a little time with us and uh, break down this game. Uh, I thought that uh, the back and forth was uh, was very good. I think it's going to give our listeners some uh, some good information. And, uh, you know, one of the things, I mean, we like to do here on the Serie A sit-down, there's always going to be a lot of input and opinions that you're going to hear from, from lots of other podcasts. And I have a lot of respect for many of the podcasts that are out there, uh, you know, doing what we're doing we're trying to at least break a few things down a little bit that might be hard to grasp if you're just like listening to us uh, in a podcast. We don't have like a video diagram where we're breaking down what happened and and things like that. But you know, we we like we like breaking down the game. We like trying to say, hey, here's what's going on here, and here's why here's why Team X pulled this off, and and and. Team Z needs to do a better job of this and things like that. And Jerry, I thought, you know, great game. Congrats to your team, but uh, uh, grateful for uh, for an excellent conversation and how we broke this down. No, thank you for having me on. I- I'm hoping that uh, now it will be La Milan that can't win at the uh, Stadio Olimpico for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> yes, first win in 30 years at the San Siro for Lazio. So, um, you know, all... Uh, all curses on the uh, San Siro with Milan are, are, are there. So let's see what other teams can uh, come in uh, to the San Siro and uh, come away with some points. So, um, Absolutely. Hey, question. How do you feel about Nzaghi always going down to the players to, uh, to celebrate? Does that uh, – how do you – does it make you feel different about him? Do you, do you, do you appreciate when a coach does that? I, I don't have a problem with it at all. I don't have yeah, a problem with it at all. I mean, you know something? These guys, these guys are in a tunnel. Right, I mean, they're just they're just bogged down. They have their responsibilities. They're, you know, they're training. They're watching tape. They're meeting with their scout. I mean, with what they're doing on a regular basis. I mean, these are these are guys who who you know, here in American football, they say these guys have worked 17, 18 hour days. They hardly sleep during the season. 
you know, you can only imagine what football managers do. I, 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 you know, if they do this 15, 16 hour schedule, um, you know, I don't know what it's like. I'd be curious to hear how they all handle these things, but it's, it really is. It's, it's a grind. Um, you know, so when you've prepared for a match and, uh, you've prepared for an opponent like Milan and there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure on you to come out and produce and, 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 and get a win. No problem at all. If you want to, if you want to celebrate, you know, you worked your ass off to get to that point. You deserve to, to be able to celebrate it. No, I agree with you. And just a side note, just to add to our conversation, I feel like Nzagi is the most underrated coach in probably in Serie A. Just, just what he's accomplished since he's, since he's been with the club in 2016. He's gotten two Copa Italias. Sorry, Copa Italia and Super Copa Italia. I don't think I've I've never underrated him though. I I had a lot of praise for him when I when I had the Calcio Consultant blog. He was among my managers that were on the rise. Um, you know, this was only a year ago too. So I think that the one thing that I w- am impressed by with Simone Inzaghi is just when you think there's a hard ceiling on what he can do at Lazio, he seems to be able to push that ceiling a little bit higher. You know, he can't, he doesn't seem to, you know, at, at no point is he, at, at no point is he broken that ceiling to an, to an unreachable height, but he keeps nudging it forward a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, you know, he finds ways to continue to make progress at Lazio. And, and he, and he does it in moments where, he does it in moments where people are are down on him, okay? And and that might be where the sentiment might make some sense to say that he's underrated. I've never underrated him. I think he's a very good manager. Um, he's a Lazio lifer. I mean, it's going to take something unbelievable to get him out of there, uh, at least as far as if another club was ever interested in him. So, And I don't think Latito wants to get rid of him anytime soon either. So, So he's going to be there for a little while longer. I agree with that. I think it's all it's all clickbait when you hear Nzagi's sure. going to get fired. It's just news for people to click on. I absolutely agree with you. Yep. Well, why don't you uh, give us a quick breakdown of what you are plugging these days? I mean, you're in you're into so much. I keep getting the uh, notifications all the time, and uh, it's like, man, Jerry wrote something else. I gotta, I got to read that. I'm, I'm, I don't you, I don't think there's only 24 hours in a day, Jerry, and I want to sleep. <laughs> So I can't read everything you put out, but uh, go ahead and plug away and give the listeners uh, give the listeners a couple pieces that uh, that you're proud of that they should uh, go ahead and take a look at. I wrote a piece about uh, Mario Balotelli about a month ago about his career, which uh, which was really good. And Koulibaly actually just recently for Real Football Index, it basically uh, when he was younger, he was told that he was introvert and that he wasn't good enough to make the team. In the uh, the French league, but uh, he proved his uh, his manager wrong, and he's gone on to have a successful career, and uh, was defender of the year last year in the city. Ah, so he, it's basically explaining Koulibaly and how how's uh, his life has progressed. And I actually came up with a ultra piece last week with for uh, World Football Index, which is basically stating about just ultras and how uh, there's different ultra groups and that. Not all ultras should be classified as, as negative, and some of them do actually promote and help our game and make make it better. 
And just today, I, I released a piece uh, with Sempre Inter, with Nima, about uh, Maro Icardi and what I think it, it, it will mean now for, the, for both clubs, for PSG and Inter. Excellent. Excellent stuff. Richard, you got anything for Jerry? Uh, no, man. Just thank you once again for coming on. And uh, it's always great to hear uh, Lazio's side of things. Uh, we always uh, sometimes are... Our blind side of just my Milan and how things going there. So it's not nice to have someone from the, speak on the on the Lazio front and and tell us really what's going on on in the club and uh, what to look forward to. So thank oh, you. Thank you. Just be positive. Don't worry. Things will get better for Milan. Don't worry. <laughs> we can thirty only years hope. of thirty years of winning. It's uh, it's something that uh, the, the fans are probably not used to because in the situation they're in. But uh, things always turn around. Great clubs have their fall. I mean, look at what's going on in Manchester United over in England. Um, you know, look at look at what was going on at Liverpool for a long, long time until Klopp finally got on board and, and righted the ship. So, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, uh, you know, look at Inter and the struggles that they went through for many years. Juventus coming out of Calciopoli. Um, you know, clubs have their peaks. and They go through their peaks and valleys. And, uh, you know, right now Milan's in a very deep valley. Absolutely agree. And I think Juventus is next. It's all a matter of when. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Pride comes before the fall. Yeah, exactly. So, well, Jerry, it was a pleasure having you on. I, I think a hat trick of appearances is not too far away. Um, so uh, we will be in touch and hopefully uh, get you back on real soon. Thank you. appreciate that. Look forward all, to that. All right. Jerry Mancini, everybody. And uh, let's... Uh, now move on to the rest of yeah there were other games i know that there was uh, milan and Napoli, uh, lazio guys here uh but uh, other games uh, took place on match week 11 so uh why don't we break that down all right richard match week 11 and i mean we we Went Milan Lazio heavy, uh, but there were a couple of very important games that took place on Saturday uh, that we'll get into among the uh, batch of match week uh, 11 here. Uh, it all began with Roma at the Olimpico hosting Napoli. Big game for both teams. And uh, it would be the Gialarossi getting the win. Uh, Nicolo Zaniolo in the 19th minute, a goal of the week candidate. Um Alexander Kolarov would miss a penalty in this uh, in this game that uh, would keep Napoli in it. A great save there by Madit. One uh, 0 at halftime. Second half, uh, there would be another penalty there uh, for Roma. This time, Jordan Veratu, who has been a very underrated player for Roma, and I think is starting to uh, um, get a little bit more notoriety with the way he has been playing. Uh, getting the Gialarossi ahead 2-0, and then a uh, consolation here, Akadiusz Milik scoring in the for the fourth straight game uh, for the Partenope. Um, big, big setback for Napoli, and uh, we'll we'll talk about this here. Let's just get through the rest of the games, but Roma getting a big win, 2-1, and uh, getting on a, a nice little unbeaten run uh, as well, uh, if I'm not mistaken, at least in Serie A. Uh, they are unbeaten in... Well, they, since losing at home to Atalanta, I think they're on a six-match unbeaten run. Richard, is that right? Yeah, and I think they're three wins in a row now. I think. Three wins in a row, yeah. So uh, so Roma moving right along in the uh, project under Paulo Fonseca, bearing fruit uh, for sure. So 
Bologna hosting Inter. Uh, it would be Bologna taking the lead in the second half through Soriano in the 59th minute. Uh, that gets canceled out by Romelu Lukaku in the 75th. Uh, and then a penalty in the 91st minute that Lukaku would turn in. Uh, giving Inter a critical win in terms of chasing Juventus here at the top of the table. Speaking of Juventus, Darby Della Mole. Man, hard to believe, Richard. We have that Darby Della Mole is pushed this far back. And it really is because I just think we've pushed it this far back because Torino have really had their struggles lately. And, and the profile of this Darby just... I, I like this when Torino is on some degree of form. You know what I mean? And... The struggles have just been real. They've been consistent, and they reared their ugly head again here. Yeah, unfortunately for them, uh, it's uh, if if they were in better states, and you know, obviously this would be top of the table uh, uh, billing for us. But uh, they've been struggling so so much lately. I mean, they're on par with Milan as far as struggles go, and um, you know, eleven points this season. You know, it's they're very far away from any kind of European spots. I mean. I mean, they're probably ten points away from your European spot right now. Yeah. So uh, they, they've had a mighty struggle. One, one. The only guy that's really informed there is Salvatore Sirigu, who made nine saves in this game. Juve wins one nil at Torino. Uh, Delict getting his first goal uh, in the Bianconeri colors, uh, getting a ball headed back from. Uh, Gonzalo Higuain uh, side volley into the back of the net. This was off of a corner kick, obviously. Um, a little controversy that we will talk about a little bit later. There was a penalty claim for Torino in this game, having a ball striking his arm, so we will talk about that here shortly. But let's get to the Sunday games. Atalanta playing host to Cagliari. Uh, a Pasolic own goal in the 32nd minute after uh, the ball kind of scrambled around a little bit in the penalty area for Cagliari off a corner kick. Uh, and then uh, it got ugly. Josip uh, Ilicic kicking at, I believe it was Cacciatore. Um getting a straight red and being sent off. Uh, Oliva would come on and score in the 58th minute uh, to give the Sardinians an away win at Atalanta. Um, and then uh, Cagliari now nine straight unbeaten uh, and uh, proving to be a real force here in Serie A. Uh, Genoa 1, Udinese 3, Goran Pandev, beautiful combination with Chris, uh, Chris, with uh, Kwame. In the 22nd minute, goal of the week candidate is going to be in my top five for sure. I just love combination play. Rodrigo DePaul with a banger in the 32nd minute to equalize, and uh, uh, that's definitely making the top five as well. Uh, Ken Sema in the 87th, putting the uh, Zabretta ahead when Kevin Lasagna uh, with some really nice technique to get a ball, lift a ball over a defender, work his way toward goal, and uh, Put the match away for Udinese. A big away win for them, winning at Genoa 3-1. So Tiago Motta, maybe not as much of a genius as we once thought. Uh, Hellas Verona, this is where that ugly racist incident occurred with Mario Bellatelli. As for the beautiful that happened on the pitch, uh, Salcedo, Eddie Salcedo getting his first goal in the 50th minute. Pessina scoring in the 81st, but the goal of the week, uh, a, hey, fuck off Verona Ultras. Uh, Mario Balotelli in the 85th, uh, absolute stunning strike. Uh, no debate here, Richard. That's the goal of the week. Yeah, I mean, what what a strike! I mean, one t- one time the pass uh, that he received in, into the top corner, uh, beautiful, beautiful goal, wonderfully struck by him. Uh, no argument there. 
Now to a game that's littered with goal of the week candidates because there were plenty, and I've got to figure out which one I'm going to cut from my top five because I think I've already guaranteed some in the goals of the week between Geno- between Pondev, DePaul, and obviously Balotelli's number one. So uh, let's start with uh, Gianluca Lapadula uh, challenge- channeling his inner Dennis Bergkamp, taking a first touch out of the air, getting past a defender and scoring. <laughs> I mean, that had Dennis Bergkamp written all over it. Yeah, that was, that was beautiful. Uh I was going for Patrick Schick, but yeah, no, that's because he's better. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah brilliant. Argentina goal. fans from 1998 aren't happy with us talking about that right now. Um, and then speak, another goal of the week candidate, I love three-man combinations. And then Sassuolo seemed to just do those by the boatload to create goals. And Jeremy Tolhan getting his first uh, goal in Serie A at the end of a three-man combination. So well taken there. But then in the 42nd minute, another goal of the week candidate, a lovely free kick from Filippo Falco putting Lecce ahead by two goals to one. Uh, Domenico Berardi would nick an equalizer here uh, toward the end in the 85th minute, 2-2 there. Fiorentina and Parma, a couple of goal of the week candidates here. Uh, Gervinho getting a nice touch, uh, nice little lifted uh, goal here past Ogovsky, uh to put Parma ahead, but then it would be Castrovilli. Boy, Castrovilli is turning into a player uh, right before our eyes. Uh, turning in a ball from Dalbert to level the scoring there. So 1-1 between Fiorentina and Parma. We already talked about Milan and Lazio. Richard, let's start with Roma and Napoli. And I made notes about Chris Smalling because uh, he is a player that, you know, Roma has been much maligned because of their failures defensively. But Chris Smalling has come up and has... Roma's not all of a sudden a stalwart defensively, but having Chris Smalling back there has been a huge help. Yeah, some fans are even going so far as to call him Smaldini. Uh, that's a little excessive that's, there. Okay, I think. yeah, he, yeah. Did, did, did Solano do this? Cause... No, it wasn't him, actually. It wasn't even a Roman. Or Scott anyway, Monroe, because I'm going to have a chat with both of them. If it's <laughs> uh, you know, okay, nice. It's it's got, Roma fans, okay, okay, I'm going to jump in on this. It's, it's probably English it's, fans. It's form. Premier League fans, it's form. Okay, he's got, a, he's got a few nice games. Good, all right? If you can do this for the rest of the season... You can Smaldini all you want. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not doing it either. Um, yeah, he's been playing well. He had a nice uh, goal line clearance off the line there. Um, but he's, he's he's found a home there at Roma. He's he's contributing with goals. He's he's playing well defensively. Um, center back was always a lacking uh, location for them uh, and, and on the field. Now with with uh, I almost said it there with almost with Smalling and and Fazio, if his you know his game continues to get better, uh, they could have a nice uh, pairing right there, and and they can uh, ease their headaches because now they don't have to worry about goalie as well, and now one at least one of the center backs is uh, secure as well, so that's good to yeah, see. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that uh, um, Romelu Lukaku for Inter, uh, wow, uh, what an impact he's all of a sudden having. I mean, he's a better striker, dare I say, than Mauro Icardi. Uh, and he doesn't come with the drama. He doesn't come with a wife or an agent that manipulates things. Uh, and he just puts his, he's just come into the Serie A. He's putting his head down and he's scoring goals. He's the end product of a lot of wonderful stuff that's going on behind him. But you better have that guy that can finish. And Lukaku's living up to the billing. He is... Uh, I think he's easily repaid whatever his uh, whatever it costs to bring him in for Manchester United. 
Yeah, and he's got the size to boot. I mean, he can he can ward off guys, hold them off, and 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 pass to to Larturo or whomever. Uh, he just seems to have it all right now, and uh, he doesn't have to make those crazy runs that Icardi does did because he has the, uh, a surrounding cast around him, a supporting cast that's doing it all for him. He just has to be in the right place, right time, make the right runs, read the read the shots that come in and get the rebounds, and he's doing it all right now. And uh, he seems to be a steal for for Inter. Yes, he is. Um. Like I said, Salvatore Sidigu kept this from being a total runaway, but let's talk about the leaked incident. I, and and again, we got to tame the conspiracy theorists around there because there are a lot of them in Serie A when it comes to Juventus getting the calls and or getting calls uh, in their favor. Let's just put it this way. Um, I, I have no problem with no penalty being called here. It's not like the arm is like extended out with the uh, intent to handle the ball. He's trying to get his arm back into his, his body, but it does beg the question. Cecilio did this with Milan a few years ago and they still called a penalty against him. <laughs> well, they just answered your question there right now. Um, I have no problem with this call. Um, you know, there's some, maybe some. It seems that every game, some the ball is hitting the licked in his hands. Uh, but uh, this this particular play, I had I didn't have a problem with. I think maybe they're allowed to do that. Maybe they're allowed to do that in the Eredivisie. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, that's why they score so many turn, damn goals. Some of them are with their, some of them right? are handled. You know. Exactly. There you go. Uh, but no, I think um, what I have more problems with is that it's so objective. It's all, all up to the referee whether it's a handball or not. You know, if they if they got a little bit. Uh, more stringent on them, more black and white. Then you can, you can. It would, everyone will be in agreement. But since it's so, you know, it's up to referee. There can be so many varying opinions on it. But I, I have no problem with this play. I thought it was unintentional. Um, it was by his side, so um, I'm good with the no call. But I can see why people would be upset. You know, with the Shelly stuff and uh, other other calls in the past that have gone uh, against their teams. Yeah, for sure. Um, Atalanta Cagliari. Uh, Man, this is a huge win for Cagliari. Um, nine in a row unbeaten in Serie A. I mean, here's the one thing. On the one end, I want to be really excited about this with what Cagliari has been able to accomplish. They, I mean, they won at the San Paolo and beat Napoli. They drew Roma. This is not, this is not something that you want to take lightly here. And now going on the road and winning uh, in Bergamo. Uh, granted, I think, well, they, they did go one nil up before Ilicic got the red card and Atalanta still came at them, but Cagliari went on the road and didn't give up a goal. And, and I mean, what a difference with what they've done with the Bedella money and how they've constructed this team. Because a year ago, Cagliari away was just there for the vultures to pick at. And you'd usually see them concede three or four goals. I mean, th- this is a team that's put it together. Uh, Rolando Moran finally has a place where he can hang his hat as a manager, at least with the run that they're on. I can't say enough good things about this team right now with the way they're playing. They've, they've got a plan. They go out and they execute it, and they come away with three points. There are games where it's pretty. There are games where it's, okay, just do this and let's uh, let's get on with our lives, you know? Yeah, it, it, it's... Uh... It's great to see, really, with with Cagliari. Uh, for so long, they've struggled in mediocrity, really, and and now this season they're kind of uh, taking the next step. Like you said, with the Barella money, so um, yeah, I mean, getting a win at Bergamo is difficult. Not many people can say they did that. 
Um, yeah, it did help with the red car, but hey, they took it did take the lead, right? So um, Atalanta maybe should understand, you know, how it feels when you when you're playing with a, a man advantage. Uh, they took advantage of someone last week, and this week they they get taken advantage of, and they almost came back. I almost got a, a goal in there, but. Um, good for Kaidi, man. And not only they got it defensively, they're 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 setting up shop. Um, Robert Olsen's found a, a second home, but uh, also in the in the offensive end, Giovanni Giovanni Simeone, excuse me, uh, he seems to be doing really well. They're obviously not in Golan and, and the rest of the guys that they have around. Uh, this is a good team. I mean, they're not only good at home; they're good on the road too. And we they've had some big wins this year on the road, so uh, look out for Kaidi going down. I think they're uh, contenders for these uh, one of these European places. Third best goals against in Serie A through 11 games. Uh, just conceded 10. Uh, Verona and uh, Verona, I'm, of all teams, Verona. And uh, Juventus. <laughs> Juventus. But that's how Ivan Juric is having Verona play. Um, we'll talk about them shortly. That's how Ivan Juric is having them play. It's a grind to play Hellas Verona this season. Um, but. That's impressive. That's not something I would have ever expected from Calgary. Just two seasons ago, Calgary gave up like, I think gave up like something like seventy-six goals or something like that. Uh, just yeah. what a job uh, they've done in doing smart business, taking that like I said, taking that Barella money, spending it smartly. You go out. Robin Olsen has reinvented himself. He is showing to everybody that he really is a good goalkeeper. And what happened at Roma just was unfortunate. And yeah, while he didn't help himself with his positioning on a lot of goals he conceded for Roma, he had uh, a defensive combination in front of him that just wasn't working out anymore between Monolos and Fazio. So it's uh, it's just astounding to see what Caledi is doing here. Um, Udinese popping up and getting a rare win, uh, three goals to one uh, at Genoa. Uh, Tiago Monta probably learning the hard way that uh, you don't get much of a honeymoon here if you, uh, you know, you, you start off winning and all of your substitutes score, then you go to Juve and 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 why don't we talk about that? I did did Genoa get job there in the end on that? Was that was that a legit penalty? The one that Ronaldo scored to give Juventus the win or? Or do you think uh, a little funny business was going on there? So this is what I this is what I've been saying on Twitter. Um, I I it's definitely a dive by Ronaldo for sure, hundred percent. It's a dive, but the defender did not no favors to himself by sticking his leg out. I mean, he gave the referee an option, and he shouldn't have. Um, and it was uh, Sanabria, I think it was. So. I didn't like the call. I didn't like the dive. They didn't really go to VAR or anything, and or maybe they did, but. Uh, his foot was out there, and he gave the referee an option, and, and it didn't help matters. So I didn't like the call, but it was a call nonetheless. I mean, what, what are you going to do when you, when you take a foot out? I mean, it's hard to see from the angles whether he made contact or not. It didn't look like it, right? It just looked like a bad dive by Ronaldo, but they, they called it nonetheless. Yeah. Conversely, I mean, let's let's before we dive into the rest of this, because midweek there was obviously some pretty big incidents. That one there in the Juve Genoa game, and then the Napoli Atalanta game that ended two two. Um, the incident between Simon Chiar and Fernando Llorente, uh, where it completely looks like Llorente is clattering in, or I mean, clattered into by Chiar, and. No penalty is given. Atalanta go the other way. They get an Ilicic goal to make it 2-2. They go back to VAR, 
and the goal stands for Atalanta to make it 2-2. Um, the, our Napoli friends all lost their shit. I, you know, I, yeah, yeah. And I don't in, in in a way I don't blame them, but there's a still out there of Llorente elbowing Kiar first, okay, before the incident where Kiar clatters into him, okay, and maybe that's what they saw. I'm I'm trying to justify why a penalty wasn't given there. It might it, it stinks, but that was the first action that, and in the opinion of those referees, and I would love to talk to Mike. I'd love to pick Mike Lacey's brain about this. In the opinion of the referees, that since that was first, they can't give the penalty because if they're looking at it, they'd be looking at it. They'd be giving a foul against Napoli and giving Atalanta a free kick, and they'd be wiping out a goal that Atalanta scored. That's that's the only explanation that I have for why Napoli, after the VAR review, weren't given a penalty there. So I'll, I'll be honest when I watched, when I saw the when I saw the play and then I saw the replay, my initial instinct was Llorente committed the first foul, and then and because of that, it was a chain reaction, and and then he got clattered into. Um, so I was like, okay, I see why they didn't get called. Uh, but then I started seeing more stills, and some stills looked like it was like. Uh, you say what happened to Llorente and then obviously the stills that you're talking about too so like I don't know what to think now but I know initially when I first saw uh, in, in action I said okay that's a foul by Llorente trying to get a, a play on on, on, on Kiar and then uh, the resulting action was you know him taking him out but um, yeah I don't know it, it's, a, it's a tough call and I, I can see both sides why people would be angry so um, VR is not going to help in that situation anyway so I mean I don't know yeah, I mean, for that reason, for what happened, the, the, the incident where Llorente caught him first with the elbow, I ended up not having too much of a problem with no penalty being given there. I could see if they went to that and said, hey, this is why we're not giving a penalty, I would be fine with that as a neutral, okay? As a Napoli fan, I would be pissed. And, 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 and Rafa right. and Ken and, and, and Frank Sidekick, all of, our, all of our Napoli friends out there, they, they pulled no punches. And... And, and I'm with them. I, you know, I, I, you know, I grieve for them. You know, but I'm just trying to say, hey, here's what we might have seen here. So here's what might have went down, or here's what might have been seen. That's why you didn't get it. So just thought I'd, you know, say, you know, break off and talk about that because those were some pretty interesting incidents that happened in midweek. And now, obviously, yeah. we didn't do a podcast on the midweek results. So, but I, I at least wanted to bring that up. Um, so, Udinese, so let's come back to Udinese and, and Rodrigo de Paul doing Rodrigo de Paul things. And if Udinese are going to stay up, they need him. Absolutely, and uh, the captain leading the way with uh, an amazing goal as he scored here. Um, he is a good player. It just he needs this season for whatever reason he's been has been consistent. I mean, it's the team around him, it's the managers. I don't know, uh, but yeah, if if Udinese are going to have a chance at you know staying up this year. Rodrigo De Paul is going to be the one you know have to help him uh, get there. Uh, I think he got a call up recently to the national team too. So I mean, maybe that's it's it's quietly showing how good of a season he's had despite how poor the team has been playing. So um, yeah, good on him. Uh, he needs to he he where he goes, the team will go for sure, one hundred percent. Sure. Verona and, and we talked about this. They're a grind to play against. Um, we've already beaten the racist crap to death. Uh, with with Balotelli, um, but uh, 
Hellas Verona is our new dentist chair team. They they've played eleven. Yeah, same manager. Uh, they've played eleven. They're in ninth. They're in fucking ninth over in Milan's in eleventh. Really? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. They're gonna get found out at some point. But meantime, they've played eleven. They're, they've won. They're playing defense. They've won four, drawn three, lost four. They've scored nine. They've conceded nine. Joint top for goals allowed with Juventus. And wow. but they can't score except this week against Brescia. They got two. So. This is just going to be one of those teams that you're in for a grind. They're there to survive, and they're not interested in getting blown out by anybody. They're not going to try to play with anybody. They're going to grind. They're going to say, "Here, you get the ball. We're going to hit you on the. We're going to try to hit you on the break. We're going to fight for 90 minutes." Because I saw them against that swallow. They didn't care about playing football. They cared about kicking the shit out of Barati and Boga and Duncan. So on the one end, it's like, you know, you want to talk about them being an interesting interesting story, and maybe other podcasts will come out there and say, look at Hellas Verona in ninth and what they're doing. And I said, they're not even playing football. They're, they're street fighting people, you know. And this time they pulled it off. Now, granted, uh, you know, Salcedo scored a nice goal off the corner. They found ways to score goals. And in this case, they found way to score goals. Um, but... I don't think they play – their football is by no means pretty. You're going to be in for a fight when you play them. There's going to be a lot of yellow cards when you play against them. That's just And, and I don't think Ivan Juric has a problem with that right now. No, he doesn't. And, uh, and it unfortunately cost a job. It cost the Brescia manager his job. Uh, but this is what, this is what Verona's going to do. They're going to grind out victories or grind out games, uh, whether they win it or lose it. It's going to make it tough for the opponent. And um, yeah, they're probably going to be equal on, on goals, four goals against throughout the season. But uh, they don't care. As long as they stay up, that's their main goal. Eugenio Carini sacked at Brescia, as you alluded to. I think that's harsh. I, I truly think that's harsh. Yeah. Um, but Diego Lopez is going to step in and not the goalkeeper. Uh, <laughs> last seen at Palermo. Um, was he somewhere in between? I uh, don't know, honestly. The Milan bench? No, I was kidding. Hang on. No, God, no. Thank God, no. Yeah, he was at Cagliari, uh, 2017, 2018, and then he went back to. He actually went back to Uruguay to manage Peñarol, legendary legendary okay. club in uh, Uruguay. So, I, I would think our South American uh, World Football Index guys would be impressed with the fact that I know that <laughs> about Peñarol. <laughs> so, um, not even pronounced it correctly too. You can look at Pen- yeah, you did. Yeah, you can Americanize it and say Penarol, but anyway, all right. We're just trying to find ways to talk about Brescia and that they sacked Eugenio Carini and uh, and they're looking like they're going to bring in Diego Lopez and pull him back out of Uruguay. So, okay, so Lecce and Sassuolo, uh, Gianluca Lapadula. All of a sudden, Brescia Gianluca Lapadula is showing up, and boy, do Lecce need it. Yeah, they do. They need goals. Uh, they need. Anybody to score goals other than Mancosu and uh, Lapadula with a, with a worldly of a goal. Um, it's good to see him back scoring goals again. It seemed like it's been a while since the Pescara days that he really scored goals. Um, so, uh, yeah, Lecce need anything they can get, and, and, and having one of their strikers scored is even better. So uh, good for Lecce because their progression upward away from the from the relegation zone is, is slowly happening, and uh, you know, believe it or not, they're – Three points out of relegation right now. So, yep. uh, who would have thought at the beginning of the season? Yep, for sure. So, um, 
and 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 more fun bad Sassuolo. Um, you know, you, you whenever Sassuolo play, there's going to be goals. Just the way it is. Um, I think the only time where it was where they, I want to look at Sassuolo's stats right now because I think I feel like every game has been over two and a half goals, uh, except for the Verona game, which goes without saying. Uh, well, um, no, I take that back. Where they lost at Parma one nil. So um, I'm just looking through this. Bear with me. Um, open up against Torino. Yeah, every one. game is most games. Most games have had three goals. Five, six. Yeah, eight, nine out of the 11 games so far for Sassuolo have actually eight out of the 10 because they've only played 10. Eight out of 10 games have been over two and a half. So if you are into, if you're into investing on football matches and you see a healthy odds line on uh, the over for two and over two and a half on something like bet 365 or Patty Power or Bovada or wherever you want to bet. Take it. Take the over whenever Sassuolo play because uh, that's what you're going to get. They're entertaining. So um, Fiorentina and Parma, uh, I, I, you know, you kind of want to say Parma stubbed their toe here or not Parma. Fiorentina stubbed their toe here a little bit. And again, it's results like these where you, you, th- you know, I mean, this was a balanced game. This was an even, going in. They were pretty tight to each other at the table. Um, but uh you know, Fiorentina, if they're trying to build something, they outshot Parma 19 to 8 and uh, had much, much more of the possession. If you're, if you have European ambitions, these are fixtures you're supposed to win. Exactly. And, and, and the fact that they're not, uh, it leaves you worried. They got a lot, it's a lot of talent on this team, but the fact that they can't get wins when they should uh, leaves you as a, as a, as a Viola fan wondering, you know, what is this team really made of? Are, are you know, What's 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 the true side of them? You know, are they they're true Jekyll and Hyde team? You never they're so inconsistent. It's it's it's, it's unfortunate because you want this team to do so well with all the players that they have. You want to see Chiesa and Ribéry and and the whole team Dalbert and everybody do so well, but they just can't do it for whatever reason. Yep, for sure. Um, so uh, you know, Fiorentina sitting in eighth. It's not like they have this huge mountain to climb or anything like that. It's just astonishing to me. I think Milan lost, and they moved up another place. I, I don't know how they keep Again. doing this. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> they're gonna be they were, they're gonna be European spots too, but to keep losing. Yeah. Them. Oh, and you know what? I no, no. I, I take that back. As of last week, they were like twelve, thirteenth, or no, they were twelfth, and then they won against Spal to move up to tenth, and they dropped back to eleventh. So I, I take that back. So. All right, goals of the week. Uh, we're we're both uh, in agreement on who's number one, Balotelli, but uh, fill in the blanks for us. All right, uh, honorable mentions for me: Kevin Lasagna, Lapadula, Zaniolo, Castrovilli, and Immobile. Oh, Lapadula's on your honorable mention, really? Yeah, yeah. So my top five are as follows: number five, Filippo Falco with his free kick. Uh, number four, Ken Sema from Udinese. Number three, Joaquin Correa, his goal against Milan. Number two, Rodrigo De Paul, and then number one, Mario Balotelli. Mm, okay. Hang on, I'm just jotting this down right now because um, I'm just trying to formulate my thoughts. Well, I, I, you know what? I'm going to uh, the Tolchan the Tolian goal is going to be an honorable mention for me for Sassuolo. Beautiful three man combination there, um, and uh, you know certainly was. Uh, Certainly was appreciative of seeing that. Um, 
also getting honorable mention for me. Castrovilli and Javino both uh, scored wonderful goals this week. Um, so uh, good stuff there. I agree on the lasagna goal. Uh, very well taken. Should be in the you know certainly a top five contender. It's going to be off. Going to be in the cutting room for me. Any other week that that goal by Kevin Lasagna makes my top five. Uh, number five for me, I'm going with Corin Pondev's goal. That lovely little combination he played with Kwame uh, to finish that off. So he makes number five for me. In at number four, I'm going to go with Rodrigo DePaul at number four. Um, lovely okay. finish, but we've seen him do it so many times, and that, I, I hate to have that cheap in him. Uh, but <laughs> but we've you know we've seen it. So but excellent work there from. from uh, Rodrigo DePaul to uh, to make the top five and reach number four. Filippo Falco's goal in at number three for me. Lovely free kick. Gianluca Labadula's number two goal for me. Uh, and I was actually, until I saw the Lecce Sassuolo highlights, DePaul was number two. Um, I just I, I like these two goals better than, than DePaul's. And then for me, of course, Mario Bellatelli, number one. So uh, I like the variety by both of us. Yeah, those. for sure. For sure. We've definitely got some variation. But you'll go do the video and you'll just put your own goals in there. So. <laughs> I just got to get a word in edgewise and I'll do it on the podcast. So there you go. Yep. So um, winners and losers for me. I, you know, my winner is Calgary nine straight unbeaten and then very, very impressive in the process. They've, they've beaten Napoli. They've drawn Roma. They've won at Atalanta. I mean, they've got away wins. They won at Napoli. They won at Atalanta. This is, we're going to have to take this Calgary team seriously here, folks. Uh, so for me, uh, they're the uh, the winner for me on this slate. Uh, the loser for me, and again, I'm trying to avoid saying Milan uh, because it's very convenient uh, to do so. Um, uh, you know, but uh, I'm gonna go, I'm I'm gonna take the low hanging fruit here, and I'm going to say Serie A, Lega Calcio, FIGC. Um, Ivan Juric, uh, the upper management at Hellas Verona and the Hellas Verona Ultras. Shame on you. Let's stop this shit already. All right? And let's stop enabling it. Um, David Amoyal made a very, very good point that if you remove these people, there goes ticket revenue for the, you know, for the teams all of a sudden. And, um, and that, uh, you know, and suddenly you're putting you're you're putting the clubs in a conundrum where they lose that ticket revenue by by banning those people. Well, you know what? Tough. Can't keep your crowd under control, and you can't uh, educate them. Then then tough. Um, I am looking up what Mark Neal had to say about this because he uh, he chimed in. Good friend of ours who has uh, uh, been a very frequent guest, our most frequent guest we've ever had. Yes. Racism and blatant racism at that is just one of the reasons Serie A is of no longer any interest to him. Can talk about the blatant favoritism towards certain clubs, the hierarchy of the league, so behind in their thinking, stadiums that can't get built, when clearly some grounds aren't for purpose. The whole package is so unappealing now it's ridiculous. And, you know, the racism is playing a bigger and bigger role. Um, So, and I hate to keep coming back to this, and I don't want to keep coming back to this anymore, but... Until something is done and until sensible people are coming in running the show in Italy, we're going to continue to have this problem. So, yeah, 100%. Winners and losers for you. Oh, winners for me Roma with a big victory, uh, 2 1 over Napoli. Um, a lot of Napoli fans are, are feeling feeling bad these days, uh, especially after that result. But Roma, 
Uh, under Paula Fonseca, the project is ahead of schedule at the moment. Uh, they're in third place on the table, ahead of their uh, crosstown rivals, Lazio. So uh, things are going very well at the moment. The team is attacking. They have a defender now and Chris Smalling. So they are my winners, my losers. I'm there with you, um, FIGC, Lega Serie A, and they can't get their shit together. Um, they're an embarrassment to, to football. Um, you know, you don't have to look far to see what, what, what to do with this kind of situations. Um, but, but obviously they don't care too. So, um, other stuff that takes priority for them. So unfortunately, sad. Sure. Well, we've uh, gotten comprehensive once again. Uh, one more to talk about Spal and, uh, Sampdoria take, uh, take the pitch on Monday, Richard, you know, it's, Sampdoria are improving under Agnetti, but the results just aren't there. Spall at home. Spall are desperate for a result at this point in general. you know. But at home, they have been decent. Last seen getting uh, a point or sharing the, sharing the points with Napoli uh, when they've been able to play at Ferrara. And then prior to that, on 10 men beating Parma. Um, you know, so, and they've beaten Lazio at home too. So Spall have a very impressive home record and it's uh, largely why I'm going with them to win this game because then when you take a look at Sampdoria, I mean Sampdoria in general have been in general have been putrid, uh, but their away form lost at Polonia, lost at Hellas Verona, uh, lost at Fiorentina, lost at Napoli, uh, lost got blasted at Sassuolo. Yet to get a point away, and I don't think that's going to happen here. I like Spal to win this match. Yeah, I really want to see Sampdoria win a game. I picked them last week and they didn't they didn't come through. So I'm gonna go with the home team in this one in Spal. I think uh I think they're gonna eat. They're gonna do well. Um Patania is probably gonna get a goal in this one. And so, he's gonna eat. Uh, to you know, so it's appropriate he's that gonna it's eat. appropriate that he's you gonna said eat. that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I look for Spal to win, maybe something like uh two one or something, two nothing. Sure. Okay. Um that covers it for all of Serie A, your winners and losers, your goals of the week, thoughts on Spal Sampdoria, thoughts on what you saw. Go to at Serie A, sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Let's wrap this up quick with a look at Serie A in Europe. All right. Match day four is always the reverse fixtures of match week three. Uh, in both the UEFA Champions League and in the uh, Europa League. If we take a look at the standings, uh, Juventus, Napoli, and Inter are all in pretty good prog- position to progress, while Atalanta, well, Juventus, Inter, and Napoli are all in pretty good position to progress. <laughs> so that's about as much as I can say about Atalanta as far as Atalanta is concerned. So, Richard, <laughs> um, let's get Atalanta out of the way. They're going to be at the San Siro against Manchester City. The one glowing thing here for Atalanta is that Guardiola might totally rotate this squad with qualification pretty much in the bag for them uh, because – Shakhtar and Dinamo Zagreb are going to play each other and cancel each other out to some extent once again. And, you know, a point is only going to inch City closer to qualification. And they, and I can see Guardiola looking to do that with a rotated squad. Um, I don't see three points for Atalanta here. If it is a rotated squad, they probably got a shot at, the, at a draw. Uh, but I'm 
going to go with City to win this game away. I'm going to go with a narrow result, a 2-1 result for City. I don't think they beat them 5-1 like last time. I think this one will be a little bit tighter. Yeah, I think it'll be tighter because I think they may they should have reserves in, I would think. Um, you never know with Guardiola, but uh, the reserves he brings in are going to be hungry to try to prove the point that they belong in the starters position. So um, look for much of the same, not 5-1, but maybe a 2-1 or even a 3-1, but uh, it's going to be much closer than it was before. That is uh, that is for sure. Uh, Juventus have that trip to Russia to take on Lokomotiv Moscow. They were pushed uh, at the J by these guys uh, last time they hooked up, and uh, it took a uh, Paulo Dybala brace to win the match. Um, I think it's going to be more of the same. There's going to be an eye on obviously playing Milan next weekend, which they're still going to take seriously even with Milan struggles. Um, but they're going to take care of business here. I think that this is going to be efficient. This is going to be workmanlike. This is going to be, I think this is going to be another two, one win for Juve. Um, they'll concede just because it's an away game and I've got no other valid reason for why Juve will concede to locomotive probably because they did the first game. Uh, but I think that they'll come up with the resources and they'll come away with the three points. Um, and that will, uh, be and, and and the other incentive here is three points here. They go through to the next stage uh, with two games to spare. Yeah, I think they're going to take this a lot more seriously than they took the first game. Not that they didn't take it, but you know, now that you've seen this team play and they, and they push you so far, you're gonna you're gonna put a little more effort into this one. So I think they'll be ready and it'll be same old resourceful Juve and get a narrow win, but they'll get a win nonetheless. Napoli hosting Salzburg. Um, last time these guys hooked up, it was in Salzburg, and uh, we told everybody, hey. This isn't going to be easy. It wasn't. Napoli pulled away in 1-3-2. Salzburg come calling. Jesse Marsh, uh, Wisconsin native, my home state, Jesse Marsh, uh, coming to the San Paulo. They're not going to be phased. They gave Liverpool a game at Anfield. They're not going to be scared of going to the San Paulo and going and trying to play their game. I think this is another goal fest. Um, I'm going to, but it is one that Napoli is going to come out on top. I'm going to go for the Partenope, uh to win this game 4-2. Uh, but if you're able to get your hands on this game, because I don't know what Bleacher Report and TNT are going to put on their main game. If you can somehow find a way to watch this Napoli Salzburg game, I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's going to be another barn burner, I think. Um, as you said, Salzburg aren't afraid to go anywhere. They're 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 a, they're a well drilled team. They can score goals in bunches. They gave Napoli a run for their money in the first leg, uh, first the last match day. So uh, you said four two. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say three two. Uh, a tight three two. A late goal maybe to win it or something. Uh, another tight game, I think. Okay, Inter traveled to Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Inter winning two 0 at home. Um, I think that a draw makes sense here. Inter have really they're they're in a battle trying to fight off Juve for the top uh, in Serie A, and um, they're going to want to try to manage their way, get that second spot, get to the next round. I think they they won't be bothered by a draw. They may obviously they're going to try to go to Germany to try to win the game. Uh, this is a Borussia Dortmund that did not have Marco Royce in the first game. I don't know what his status is for this game. That will be huge in terms as far as Borussia Dortmund is concerned um, but you know Conte will go in with a game plan and I see Inter coming out of this with a draw I'm going to go 1-1 here 
Yeah, Marco Royce is, is back because he played in the in the Riviera Derby against Schalke. They did not look good against Schalke. They did, though, win this weekend against uh, Wolfsburg 3-0, which is an impressive win. Uh, but they do have their Klassiker coming up in the, in the following weekend, so uh, they have that to think about as well. And with Bayern uh, not doing so great this year, are they going to go uh, you focus on that or the Champions League? And that's a really tough predicament for Dortmund to be in because they need to win. They need to get some points because this is a, it's a big game for them because um, if they want to progress in the Champions League, they're going to have to do well in this game. And so, as much as I, as much as they they may want to win, I don't think it'll be a win. I think it'll be it'll be a tough environment for Inter. But I'm with you, a draw. Uh, it's looking like going to be a draw for them because I think Inter will be ready to play and and at least come away with the share of the points. Yep. Um, I should point out that the Napoli, Salzburg, and Borussia Inter games are on Tuesday, Wednesday. Juve will travel to Russia to play Lokomotiv Moscow. And then uh, uh, Atalanta will host City uh, on Wednesday as well. So uh, just so that people are trying to figure out what dates are those games. Thursday, Europa League, Lazio hosting Celtic. Huge game for them as far as their prospects are for concerned for qualifying. Lazio sit third in Group E right now. Um, lost 2-1 at Celtic. This is a must-win if Lazio expect to progress. I think the home crowd... I think Immobile coming out in the Milan game is the intent of Inzaghi that he will play on Thursday. Um, I, I think you will see the best Lazio lineup possible on Thursday, Richard, and I, I think Lazio will get this done. They win 3-1 against Celtic. UEFA, if you're watch, if you're listening to this, be at that game because you need to do something about their ultras. The ultras, what they did in, in Celtic was deplorable, so... Uh, that aside, I agree with you. I think Lazio should be able to uh, step it up at home um, against Celtic. It'll be a tough game, but it's, it's going to be easier than on the road. So uh, look for Lazio to get the win, a big, much-needed three points there, uh, 100% with you. All right. Um, and then finally, Roma now traveling to Germany to take on Borussia Mönchengladbach, a, a Mönchengladbach team that has been flirting with the top of the Bundesliga table. Are they still on top of the table? By three By points. three points, so... A great challenge for them to go out to Germany, and with Group J being awfully tight, Roma tops it right now on five points. Uh, but Basaksa here has gotten their act together. They've got four. Wolfsburger have four, and then uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach is on two. So this is wide open. A Mönchengladbach win thrusts them right back into the discussion for qualification for the next stage. This is a huge game for Roma. They just expended a lot of energy beating Napoli. They now have to go to Germany. Um, and while... Things look a little bit better with them defensively. I'm not 100% convinced by them. I'm not, you know, we've seen Roma teams in the past go away in Europe and not do well. And uh, I got a weird feeling about this one. I'd like to see Roma win this and get more of a firm grasp um, in the Europa League. But I think going to München Gladbach, I think the Germans are going to get this done. They win this 2 1. Okay, you think the Germans are going to win this? Um, yeah, d- unless there's something because I know you covered some Bundesliga with Schalke. If you think Borussia or, or and unless you're saying Munch and Gladbach just don't care about this competition and they're going to play kids, you know, if I see that lineup, then I'll change my mind. But sure, sure, yeah, it's it's it's, it's funny with them because you know they're obviously taking the Bundesliga seriously. They're up at three uh, three points right now. Uh, they had a nice w- victory over Leverkusen this weekend, so. But their but their actions in the in the Europa League have been like mind-boggling because they haven't been playing well at all. 
I'm sure they want to play well for their home squad, for their home team, a home crowd. But I think Roma, you know, hopefully they don't have a letdown because that's my biggest worry with Roma is a letdown after a Napoli match. But uh, I'm hoping, I'm going to hope that they get at least a draw on the road in this one. So I'm going to say 1-1. Yeah. Okay. So you'll go for the 1-1. I, I'm going to go with Mönchengladbach to win. Um, there's just, it's, I just, I think it'll be, there's this weirdness to Roma that I just feel like this is one of those that Roma in Europe, it does, it just happens from time to time. It rears its ugly head. And I think that this is going to be one of those days where that happens. So, and the Europa League, it just gets wildly unpredictable at times. So those are our predictions on uh, Serie A in Europe. What are yours? Go to at Serie A, sit down on Twitter or Instagram. And with that, we're going to put a bow on this edition of Serie A sit-down. Juve v. Milan to look forward to next weekend. We'll, uh, um, we'll just say that that's happening next weekend and not offer a prediction as Milan fans because uh, <laughs> I don't want to get any of Milan Twitter's hopes up. Uh, but I think they already know what they're in for. Uh, so let's just, let's just plug. Let's talk about things that, uh, that we're happy about. Richard, plug away. <laughs> There's not much these days. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, you can uh, obviously go on our YouTube and uh, we'll have our top five goals. I'm working on the Tiago Mota um, analysis piece. And then uh, other than that, um, yeah, you can find me at, at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N on Twitter and Instagram. All right. I'm at FTC underscore 21 on Twitter. Serie uh, Sit Down is on iTunes, SoundCloud, we have our own channels there. You can go to Stitcher. You can uh, go to Spotify. Just about anywhere there's podcasts, Serie Sit Down can be found. Um, Serie Sit Down, at Serie Sit Down on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Uh, check out our YouTube page where Richard will put up his five goals of the week and not mine. Um, <laughs> just about, uh, yeah, we're all over the place. So uh, check us out. Uh, subscribe. Drop likes. Um, and because uh, it means a lot to us and helps us get an understanding of where our audience is these days. And uh, uh, we appreciate all of you taking the time to listen to us and listen to us spit a little bit of calcio. So uh, this was an addition to Serie A. Sit down, enjoy the uh, games in the Champions League and the Europa League this week. Uh, for Richard, I'm Frank. As always, be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.